Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hi, and this is your RV Navigator, Ken. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we have not been RVing lately. We have been derelict in doing our duty of keeping the RV Navigator up to date. We have just a few months has passed since the last episode, but we have been swaying in the breezes, as you can hear in the background. And we've been RVing in a place that doesn't have any RVs, which means we had to stay in a condo in beautiful Hawaii. Yes. What a trial that was. It has been many months since we've actually seen an RV because we stayed uh, on some islands, and it's very strange to be driving in the um, roads and not see any RVs, so nothing to, to look at an ogle and to wave to and and to lust after. Um, so we are kind of deprived of RVing right now, but... We will be back on the road soon. And when I think of some of the roads we traveled, it was just as well there were no RVs on them. Yes, indeed. Hawaii has a lot of mountains and a lot of curvy, narrow, switchbacky roads, a lot of those watch-for-falling-rock signs. Some mudslides occurred while we were there, as well as the earthquake. So uh, it was a good time to be camping in a condo rather than in our rig. But we were very surprised to find that there are interstates. Interstate Highway 1. No, Hawaii one. Hawaii one. But of course, there's no way to go interstate. But there are four lane superhighways in Hawaii. Uh, but overall, the roads would not be satisfactory for most RVs. We did see some very old RVs, but not uh, not new ones. And certainly, we saw many beaches that would have been beautiful to camp on, and people were oh, camped on yes, them, but only in tents. But unfortunately, we were not able to do the camping thing. But there were numerous people in tents, so camping is not totally unheard of in Hawaii, but uh, it was not uh, something that was done commonly, and certainly not in an RV, and certainly not in a Class A RV. But anyway, so uh, that's where we have been, and uh, that we've taken a bit of a break from the RVing adventure, but that's not to say that we haven't, uh, that we've lost interest in RVing. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, TVs, and I'm going to share with you some of my experiences uh, with with the TV sets and the new TVs and what's coming down the road in TVs in RV land. And we're going to have a interview with a uh, caravan leader by the name of uh, Dave Jagger. It is great to be back, and we are uh, ready to get started with this episode. So any other further comments from the RV Navigator po- uh, co-pilot? Well, since technology is your specialty, I'll leave the talk about TVs to you. Oh, yes, and I'm going to do a little rant and rave. So uh, it's interesting that as I read the ads for new RVs that uh, we see that the manufacturers have not really responded very well on the TV front. And TVs are important on the on the road for your RV, and uh, I'd like to share a few experiences with you. Uh, as I read the ads in uh the various RV magazines, you know, Trailer Life and Motorhome, and and those uh, you see ads, and the RV manufacturers talk about flat screen TVs, 
And they talk about this like it's some new development. But I'm here to tell you that flat screen TVs are nothing new. Flat screen does not mean one of the new TVs. Flat screen just means it has a flat front panel. And that it's probably just an old TV that has a, a very flat front panel. And that's nothing new. What you're really looking for these days, I think, is something that's called a flat panel TV. And this is uh, either an LCD or a plasma for your RV. Uh, we have uh, transitioned to an LCD TV for both uh, in the bedroom and in the main cabin of our RV and for good reason. Um, and I think that most manufacturers need to be thinking about going this way. And when you go shopping or when you're looking for a new TV, you need to be looking in this direction also. <clears throat> there are lots of changes going on in the television world these days. And I'm sure you're noticing that HDTV is something that is all over the, the TV uh, advertisements for for just uh, home TVs, and of course this is going to come into the RV market also. Most RVs uh, come with very inexpensive TVs, and that's going to come back to bite you these days, because unfortunately what's happening is is that we are transitioning to digital TV, and this is going to happen in 2009. All of your current analog TVs, and that includes almost all uh, CRTs, the standard tube sets, the cathode ray tube sets that we've had for years, uh, since the 50s, frankly. Um, they are almost all analog and will be out of style. Not out of style, but they won't be able to receive the signals that are being broadcast over the air. This is hard to believe, but in the FCC has decreed that 2009 is going to be a transition year, and the TV stations, which now actually broadcast on two channels, uh, unbeknownst to you, there's the standard channel that you're used to. In our case, uh, we have um, in the Chicagoland area, we have 257 and 11 and 32 for the broadcast networks, and those channels are going away. Yeah, they will be only broadcasting their digital channels. And your old TV will no longer be able to receive the over-the-air signal. Hmm, now isn't that interesting? So one of the first things you need to make sure in any TV, whether you're buying, and you don't want your TVs in your, in your RV to be obsolete, especially if you're buying a new RV. So if you're buying a new TV, you need to make sure that it has an ATSC tuner which means that it will receive the new digital signals, both the new digital signals that are being broadcast now as well as the ones that will be broadcast in the future. So that's ATSC Tuner. Of course, the TV sets in most RVs, even the ones that are being sell, sold now, do not include that ATSC Tuner. So in 2009, you're going to be driving down the road and you're not going to be able to receive any TV. Ooh, that's a problem. Think about uh, getting the ATSC tuner on your next TV. And, of course, it's being mandated to be built into new tuners, new TVs. But, unfortunately, many RVs come with fairly old TVs, to old te TV technology. And then you might want to consider um, a different type of TV. You might want to consider something that is in the um, new mode, either LCD or plasma. Um, LCD, liquid crystal display, is, uh, is a great type of display. And I'm reading now from uh, 
the November Consumer Reports magazine, which has a comparison between LCDs and plasmas. It's been a lot of development in these two types of TVs, and if you haven't looked at them recently, they've come up in quality dramatically, both types. There were some severe problems uh, with both, um, and they have solved most of those problems, plus the fact that they have come down in price dramatically, so that they're actually quite reasonably priced. But, of course, CRTs, the old-style TVs, are still the least expensive, which means that's what manufacturers put into their into their RVs. You can buy LCDs and plasmas in sizes which are reasonable for RVs. Now, one of the things you want to be careful to do is to not to buy a TV that's too small, <laughs> which seems very strange these days. I think we're look, used to looking at 27s or 19s, and certainly that's okay for the bedroom. But if you're looking for a theatrical experience, you want to have something that's a little bit bigger. And I think that a 37-inch for your main TV is not unreasonable at all. And it's not that expensive. And it will give you a picture which is of high definition quality. And you'll be very happy with the picture. One of the things that Consumer Reports does mention, the regrets that new buyers have had is that they didn't buy a bigger TV. Hmm. And, of course, all of them are rectangular these days, and that's called 16 by 9 ratio, aspect ratio. The old TV sets are 4 by 3. And, of course, all the new digital broadcasting is going to be done at 16 by 9, the rectangular format, which means that if you have the old square TV or if you buy a new TV that is in the square mode, you'll find that it is, uh, in fact, uh, displaying a much smaller picture because it has the black bars across the top and the bottom when it displays a 16 by 9 uh, picture. Either that or it cuts off the edges. So why not just buy a TV that's ready for high definition today rather than getting the the old kind that um, that is square and will cut off or degrade the picture somehow. If you're taking a look at an LCD, uh, which is the type that I chose, I, I got a 32-inch uh, sharp LCD for our main display, and I took out the CRT that was in our RV. And the reason why I did that is because it's much lighter than a CRT. Now, just as an example, I had a at home, I had a 36-inch CRT, old-style tube. And, of course, that's all glass. The whole, you know, that's a glass envelope that, that is vacuum-sealed, and it's a huge piece of glass and weighs a lot. Uh, that 36-inch TV was 250 pounds. That's a lot of weight. And, of course, you wouldn't put that in your RV because not only is the size big, but the weight is, is very heavy. Whereas I replaced that with a 60-inch display, and it weighs less than 100 pounds. So it's twice the size and half the weight. Whereas the same sort of savings can be had for an LCD or a plasma that you put into your RV. But understand that plasmas are much heavier than LCDs. As I read here from... The Consumer Reports, slim LCDs are the lightest type of TV. Each, even sets with 40-inch-plus screens, weigh only 50 pounds or so, half as much as a 42-inch plasma. And these days, LCDs are in the 40-inch range, and a 37-inch is no problem at all. It used to be that you couldn't buy LCDs this large, so 
uh, that was not an option. But today, you can buy a 50-pound TV that is 42 inches. And that's impressive. And, of course, the 37 is even slightly less than that. Because they mention here that the the 42-inch TVs are about 100 pounds when in the plasma um, style. And I think you'll find the two sets look very much the same in terms of the quality of the picture. We do need to mention that the LCD has a slight off-angle dimming so that uh, if you're going to be viewing it off to the side, the picture does dim somewhat. But in most RVs that are long and thin, this is not much of an issue. But if it is an issue, then you might want to consider the plasma. Also, LCDs are much hardier because there are fewer components that will get jarred around if you uh, under the jiggling and the motion that uh, undergoes uh, while it's in an RV. So LCDs are very hardy and uh, quite easy to uh, to use and to mount. Um, and the other thing that you want to consider, of course, is how are you going to mount this? And the way I mounted it was to buy a an arm mount. Now, may, this may seem strange, uh, most of the time you have a deep cabinet, and we were able to restore that cabinet for other purposes and mount the TV on the wall so that when we travel, I bungee it tight against the wall, and when we stop, take the bungee cords off, and it's on a swing arm, so you can move it out and move it around and aim it into the kitchen or aim it into the to the lounging area um, with the nice chairs, and you can decide where you want the TV to be aimed. And because it's so light and it's on this arm, it's very easy to move, and it, it moves very smoothly. Now, I mounted the arm using um, a, a mount uh, which costs about $150, which seems like a lot, and frankly it is. But... Um, it works very well, and uh, to me, it's it's worth it. And especially with the price of these LCDs and plasmas coming down in price, it's probably worth it to buy a decent mount. You don't want it sitting on a cabinet, and you want it mounted very securely. And I bought special brackets to um, mount it on the wall into aluminum studs. It was a system that was made for aluminum studs in a house, but it works uh, quite well in the RV. So that test worked out very well for us. And that TV, I was a little worried because it's uh, in the back of our fifth wheel, which, of course, gets the most motion. And uh, it has held up very well, has not uh, caused any problems with the TV at all. Ours is a 32-inch. I think if I was going again, I'd buy a 37-inch. As Consumer Reports mentions here, they uh, have several uh, price points. And 32 inches uh, can run or uh, start at about $1,200. The cheapest LCD they have is about $1,000, uh, Westinghouse 32-inch and a Magnavox 32-inch. Um, but in the 37-inch category, you have two that are uh, quite nicely rated, uh, the Sharp, which is $2,500, and then an LG, which is $1,700. And both of these displays the 1080p mode. HDTV has, is in a stage of development, and not all TVs do HDTV in its highest quality. And this is something else you need to take a look at. What quality of HDTV is your TV capable of displaying? The highest quality is 1080p, 1080 progressive, which means it has 1,080 lines across the top and 1,980 
1920 lines across in the vertical mode. And so that gives you almost 2 megapixels. The 1080p, um, there is no content for 1080p at the moment, but of course it's coming down the road. So if you want to be completely ready, then you want to ask for a, t a set that's 1080p. Now this will cost you a little bit more, but will make you uh, future-proof for the time being. The other choice is uh, 720p or 1080i. Both of these sets have about half the number of pixels or half the resolution. However, I should mention that... Uh, when you look at the two at the store and take a look at them when you uh, the difference and you'll see very little difference and that's because today most of the signals are 1080i or 720p but we expect that in the not too distant future for instance if you're buy buying a blu-ray dvd that it will be 1080p and taking full advantage of all of the resolution that's available if you buy anything less than 1920 pixels wide then what's going to happen is is that part of the picture is going to be cut off so this is a crucial factor that you want to take a look at and make sure that it is indeed uh, displaying all the pixels that are being broadcast so this is a very interesting uh, direction that TVs are going in. The plasmas are good, and no question about it, a little bit heavier, and uh, something that uh, that has a completely uh, distortion-free uh, viewing angle so that you can view it as wide off-center as you um, would be, and you still get to see a good quality set. Uh, they also mentioned that the LCDs uh, have a flat matte surface, therefore they're less... Uh, subject to bright lights, and whereas the uh, plasmas have a very shiny surface, which means that uh, reflections are a problem. And in an RV, I can see this as, as being something of a problem. So we want to take a look at all the aspects of the LCDs and the plasmas. Um, picture quality is pretty much the same, and uh, you should not uh, be afraid to buy either, I don't think. But you do want to take a look at, at uh, the digital business because digital is the way the world is going. And toward that end, there is also a new jack on the back. You want to take a look at the HDMI jack, because uh, that's the only digital connection that you have between your, your DVDs or uh, video tape recorders or your PVRs, which will connect into your TV set. Uh, An HDMI will get the full quality of digital TV into your TV from an outside source, such as your satellite. Um, my satellite uh, receiver has an HDMI jack on it, which I can put right into the TV set. This is nice because prior to this, you had to have a bunch of wires, some for video, some for audio, whereas the HDMI is one fairly small jack. It handles both the video and the audio. So you don't have to mess around uh, trying to figure out which is which and, and plugging and unplugging to get the, the left to right correct or missing one of the colors on the, uh, on the analog wires as you plug them in. So um, make sure that your TV has an HDMI jack on it because this is the wave of the future. And although it's not required, and there probably will be quite a few analog type of uh, connections for, for some time, uh, this is the way things are going. And understand that HDTV also is broadcast over the air. So your bow tie antenna that you have on your RV right now, believe it or not, will actually just continue to work and pick up HD signals. Uh, we have done this several times. If you're in an urban area, 
your antenna works fine for getting our uh, HD signals. So you don't actually have to do anything special to use these sets as HD TVs because the signals are being broadcast. And as 2009 comes down the road, we will see more and more stations being broadcast in HD, which you will pick up with your standard antenna. No special antenna is required. However, if you have satellite, you can, of course, receive additional channels, uh, high-definition channels, through the satellite, which is also quite exciting. So your whole world can be transitioned to HD without uh, actually a lot of effort. The effort comes in buying a new TV set and deciding to hook it up and where to put it into your RV. So I hope this has helped you. Um, uh, I think that there's a lot of confusion with uh, with TVs and uh, certainly as they uh, apply to the RVs. And now we have a very special guest uh, who I'd like to introduce, and that's uh, our friend Dave Jagger, who is a wagon master for tracks. And we had a nice time visiting with him as uh, we traveled uh, with him in South Africa. And I think he has some very interesting insights into the caravanning business. Remember, caravanning is where you take your RV, or in this case, our rented RVs, and you travel as a group uh, through some interesting territories. So take it away, Dave. Well, here I am, Ken, the RV navigator, and we have a very special guest today. We are currently in South Africa and on caravan, and our wagon master has has a very kindly consented to do a little bit of interview with us so that we can hear about the inside information about how a caravan is operated. Dave is our caravan wagon master. Every caravan has a wagon master. Dave, uh, tell us your, your history and background with uh, RVing. Me and my wife, Patty, have been RVing for probably 30 years uh, total, but in the last 14 years we have been wagon masters for a caravan company. In the last 14 years we have caravaned uh, all of North America and uh, many places overseas. Did you start as a, as a customer? We did not. We started, uh, we were uh, retired, we were um, bored, and uh, we saw a uh, an opportunity to become a wagon master for uh, Tracks to Adventure, which we did, and we have been uh, wagon mastering for the last 14 years. And I understand that you've been on over 100 caravans now. Uh, this trip right now that we are on is our 106th trip. We have uh, been all North America, most most places within the states, all the provinces of Canada, all the states of Mexico, and about uh, 20 uh, foreign countries uh, in Europe and uh, South Africa. And Australia too? Australia, New Zealand, Botswana, uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Russia, the Baltic countries, uh, Germany, Czechoslovakia, Poland, and in August we'll do um, Greece and Turkey, Hungary, Romania, and a couple of others. So it's very interesting to me that uh, there are caravans offered in all of these different areas of the world. Not, you know, most people think about caravanning in the in the United States. Did you help start some of these, uh, or were you the first wagon master in some of these areas? South Africa, uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, set up, and we were the first group of Americans to do South Africa. Uh, with uh, some friends of ours in uh, Germany, we were the first group of Americans to do uh, the Baltic countries and uh, Russia. 
So how do you set up a, a caravan, a new caravan itinerary in a foreign country? My wife, uh, fortunately, is a wonderful researcher. She does hours and hours and weeks and, and maybe a year worth of research. And then uh, she and I will come over by ourselves and uh, do what we call a dry run, uh, finding towns, campgrounds, locations, meals, and activities for the group to do as a whole. And so that takes a year in advance. Now, how do you, after the caravan itinerary has been set up, uh, how much advance planning do you have to do? Well, we do at least a year's planning in advance. Uh, time we get it set up and we get it back to the office and the uh, boss has decided that, uh, yes, he'll advertise it. And uh, then we advertise it usually at least a year in advance. And, and do you work with a company who sets up the specific details of the caravan, or do you do that yourself? We set up the details. Uh, my wife is uh, the director of operations and research and development. And so she sets up uh, basically what trips we're going to do and sets up the itineraries and then the uh, head office uh, says yes or no on it and we go from there. So you contact the individual restaurants and the individual campgrounds and all the other purveyors of the, the services that we have been using? That is correct. We, we do the uh, bus tours, uh, we set up with the bus companies and the tour companies, we set up with the restaurants, the campgrounds, uh, all that is set up uh, through us. I think one of the things that our listeners need to know is, is that when they go on a caravan, one of the big advantages is, is that all the details are taken care of uh, by, uh, by a great wagon master like Dave and Patty, and that uh, you don't really have anything to worry about. And it's, uh, it's interesting to hear how the, the planning actually takes place. If you were to um, make a recommendation for a first-time caravanner, Somebody who's thinking about doing a caravan uh, in the United States, uh, which of the caravans do you consider to be uh, the most interesting for first-timers? Well, that's an impossible question to answer because uh, there's so many stateside trips that are wonderful. There's Alaska, there's Canada, the uh, eastern seaboard of Canada, the Maritimes. So it would be an individual's like... Uh, there are companies out there, and, and, and tracks being one of them, and uh, have been doing it for many years. And they have suppliers, and they have uh, contacts, and so it does take the stress off of the individual. But as far as which trip someone should go on, it's a trip that they want to do. And uh, in the United States, uh, some people might shy away from doing caravans because they can do the itinerary pretty much themselves. Maybe not Alaska, but certainly uh, the other ones. Uh, what recommendations would you give to a person who's interested in taking a caravan and kind of hesitant about it? Well, I think the uh, people you meet on a caravan is one of the absolute highlights. We know of people that have met 10 and 12 years ago that travel together almost every year, once a year at least, over the years. The other thing is the stress of not having to worry about if a campground is full or not, the reservations being made, and more importantly is the caravans do things that you might not do on your own, and they have the buses lined up or, and they have special activities lined up that you may or may not be able to even get if you're doing it on your own.
And, and uh, as a as a traveler, I certainly concur with that. Uh, the caravan runs very smoothly, and you get to see things that you might not otherwise see, and it's all pre-planned so that you know you're making the best use of your time. And that's certainly, and of course, the people. And that's a that's a huge advantage. Uh, of the caravans that are offered by Trax, uh, which one is the most popular? Well, the most popular, of course, would be the piggyback uh, caravan uh, into Mexico. That uh, That is by far the namestay of, of tracks. Uh, they've been doing it for uh, 25 years plus. Uh, other companies do it as well, and it is a wonderful trip. Uh, Yucatan, you know, I cannot think of a trip that is not a good trip. Uh, they all have their advantages and uh, some disadvantages. The Yucatan of Mexico is a little more primitive, but the uh, sites and things you see in, in uh, old Mexico and the ruins uh, make up for the uh, disadvantages. So let's uh, turn our attention maybe to some of the overseas ones. There must be some major operational differences between the U.S. ones where you're using your own RV and where we're traveling overseas like we are here in South Africa and we're renting RVs. Does that make a, a big difference operationally? It makes it easier operationally in, in some ways is that you don't have to worry about putting a 40-foot rig in a 20-foot spot. Uh, all the rigs are the same size, being about 20 feet long. The support service overseas on the RVs is stronger than we get in the U.S. for our own personal RVs. And in this particular case, if you have a clutch go out, uh, you can usually get it fixed the same day and back that night. Uh, that would never happen in the States. Uh, the people have a little more freedom on the Because we don't use clutches. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We, we don't use clutches, so we don't have that problem over there, I guess. But if you get a transmission out. Uh, but, no, we have, we have a lot of fun over here. We have a lot of fun over here. And uh, the people adapt to the uh, motorhomes very rapidly. And uh, to my, you know, they're not quite what we have at home. I know uh, certain people really miss having uh, satellite connections every night uh, for their internet, but uh, you know we have to give and take. This is back to uh, the basics, and we get to sit out and enjoy each other's company a little more. And we certainly—he's of course referring to your RV navigator who has to have a satellite connection for his internet every night. But uh, we have gotten along pretty well, and uh, Dave is exactly right. We knew what to expect, and we didn't uh, really think that we would have internet every night, but uh, or TV for that matter. Um, now here in South Africa, we're using these uh, Mercedes-based um, campers that. Uh, uh, would one couple per vehicle, and they're 19 feet long. Um, is this pretty much standard for the overseas trips? It's standard. There are six point some meters. Uh, they measure right out between 19 and a half and 20 feet. And on our Russia trip, uh, they're on Fiat chassis, but basically the same, different floor plan. And our Greece-Turkey trip will be the same thing. Australia, New Zealand, they're about the same size. Again, a little different floor plan. And, uh, and Russia, is this, you said, is the same? Russia is basically the same. And, and uh, the inter-European, if you could take an inter-within-Europe. So you rent them in one place in Europe? Uh, we, we rent them from one company in Europe, and uh, they have depots. So some places we start in Munich, sometimes we start in Frankfurt, and sometimes we start in Hamburg. So, But uh, uh, the rigs are all the same. 
And so this uh, standard layout, uh, w which we would call a Class C, and and they're nice. I mean, they have the air conditioning and uh, and both the the dash as well as the internal. And that is only in, but that is only in South Africa. Oh really? Uh, yes, uh, the uh, uh, units in uh, Germany that we pick up do not have. Uh, uh, air conditioning in the back because they don't need air conditioning very often. Uh, so, you know, everyone's different. They do not have microwaves either in, in the European uh, countries. Really? Correct. That would be something. So they have a stove with, a, with an oven? They, and they have a stove. No oven. No. They have a stove. What do they have where the microwave goes? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> More cabinet. <laughs> How would you compare the itineraries for somebody who doesn't know anything about uh, traveling overseas? Well, for us, South Africa is, uh, especially Patty's baby, and we love South Africa because not only do we get the culture, we get scenic beauty, and we get animals. And so that, to us, is very hard to beat. The European trips to Russia and through the Baltic countries are absolutely marvelous on history. They have the uh, Russian Orthodox churches, the history, the uh, capitals of the Baltic countries, uh, just magnificent. So each trip is has its own highlights, and each one is yet different. Yes, uh, so I'm running out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've covered the itineraries pretty well. Thank you very much, Dave, for allowing me to interview you today, and we hope to uh, to uh, have a great rest of the trip. Well, I'm sure we will. I know I have brought uh, several trips over to South Africa, and I can honestly say we have never had anyone go away disappointed. <laughs>